we're on week two of uh, a uh, four-week sermon for series on manning the outpost. Uh, Jim started us, started us off last week with uh, four tools, four ways to share the gospel, which are highly effective. The four spiritual laws, the Romans Road, the ABCs of salvation, and one verse evangelism. They're all good. They're all, I, I would say, don't just learn one, but uh, l- learn them all. They, they'll come into play with who you're talking to and where the conversation goes, and they kind of play off one another. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about is the power of story. And I have been fortunate to, to witness the way God has worked in, uh, in the darkest, deepest times of uh, people's lives and what they have and see that encouragement. And it's only God, it's only Jesus Christ that can bring those people from where they were, bring Brian from where he was to where he is. Uh, His eyes are opened and when he gets to heaven, God isn't going to see all the trash that he just talked about. He's going to see the blood of Christ that saved that man. Let's pray. God in heaven, Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for Brian. Thank you for the story of redemption, the work that God does that we cannot do. Lord, help us soften our hearts and just see that Jesus Christ, in fact, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing I've heard a lot was, um, as I was kind of being trained up, was just put a pebble in someone's shoe. And it's that annoying rock that just, no matter what, it's still there. It's always there. We want to have conversations that ultimately bring people to Christ. But we want to, for me, I've not had the experience of just opening my mouth and then them saying, okay, I want Jesus. It's just never happened that fast. It's, it's a period of, of multiple conversations, and that's why I say don't just stick with one of these, you know, spiritual laws, Romans, Rose, ABCs, one verse evangelism. Just, just know the way to get there to share the gospel is your story. This is huge in uh, the relationship between you and a complete stranger. It will, it will break down walls, break down barriers. It will build immediate trust. And, and like I said, I, I've been able to see, uh, Greg and I were in the Watermark Institute. That's where we met. And down there, uh, just when, when we weren't um, studying and in class and doing our thing, they encouraged us to be down. They had a big coffee shop. And people just, they didn't even realize Watermark was a church. It doesn't look like a church. People just, they'll, they'll Google coffee shop and Watermark will pop up. People go in there, and we just go hang out in all these tables and then just start talking, and, and just the conversations that can happen. But to get anywhere with people, it's required me to allow people in on what I've been through and my brokenness and my addiction and things like that. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a story. I've heard believers um, say, you know, I've, I, I didn't have addiction. I didn't, almost, you know, have a near-death experience. I didn't, you know, have these struggles and these things. And, but you have a story. You've resisted all the trash that some of us, like me, gave into. And I'm encouraged by that. I love, th- there's one guy that I've spoken with since high school, and I called him this year. Uh, in, in December last year. His name was Stephen Hitchcock. And this brother, I was in school trying to be cool, trying to just get everyone's attention and be that guy. And, and it was just foolish living. And this guy, Stephen, would invite me to church. He invited me to Young Life. He didn't engage in any of the garbage that I thought I needed to do. I think deep down I realized it was a waste of time, but I thought I needed to do that because, hey, look at me. And it's not about, it was just a distorted way. And, and I, uh, I ended up, it just would wake up with Stephen on my mind the end of last year. And so I ended up uh, 
Googling Stephen Hitchcock, and, and what I did, I, I, I just knew. I was like, Pastor Stephen Hitchcock is what I Googled because of who he was in high school and how he lived his life. Pastor. And I found him. And he was, he's in North Carolina, and he's in charge of a, like a homeless shelter, soup kitchen kind of deal. And I call this guy up. And I, I just, I know it's kind of be weird to have, hey, man, I was in high school, dude. What's up, man? And just, I, I called him up. I said, hey, Stephen, my name's Tom Traugott. Do you remember that? We played volleyball together. Um, and and he, he, he kind of laughed, and he said, man, I haven't talked to anybody since high school. And I'm like, look, I haven't either. And the reason I'm calling you is because of Jesus. And, and me being able to see Jesus in your life, and you were a light to me, and I saw the way I should live. And I just want you to know that 35 years later or whatever, like, the way you lived then is bearing fruit now. I've got four boys, and I believe partly because of Stephen Hitchcock, those boys are going to have a better life. They're going to see uh, a way to live that I can give them before they get into those environments where they can make those bad decisions because of Stephen Hitchcock. And he, like other guys that say, oh, I don't have a story, I didn't, you know, give in. I mean, did you just hear what I just said? Like, that is a story. Re regardless, all in Christ have a story. We were hopeless, and we now have hope through Jesus. And how that happened, we have got to be sharing. We've got to be a body of stories that are making stories like Brian Hoover and, and those others that are on the website. It's, that's life change. That's the life change from death to life. And it's the goodness of God that we have to communicate. And we can't hold that in. Isaiah 53:6 is, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all born in a state of need. So uh, we're going to be in John 9. I'm going to read the whole thing and pretty quickly and then just kind of pick out some points. And then we're going to talk about story and how to share and all that. So uh, verse 1, as he passed by, Jesus passes by a, a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3, this is the key verse right here. Jesus answered him, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents did. It has nothing to do with his sin at this point, but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. Sorry. It wasn't a sin. It was simply this guy was born blind and helpless. He wasn't dealt a real good hand of cards. And the whole purpose of his blindness was to glorify God, to, to uh, that the works of God might be displayed in him. This, this just encourages me in my time of, you know, hard times and when other people, you know, are talking about struggles and, you know, why is this happening? What did it just say? So that the works of God might be displayed in us when we're struggling. What gets us through that? Verse 4 we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. I love this. I just, I like to imagine, like kind of see exactly what's going on. And they're walking by and there's a blind guy here and they're like, hey, why is he blind? Is it sin or what? And Jesus is like, nope, nope. We're, we're going to see how God works through this and, you know, spits in the dirt, rubs up some mud and just slaps it on his face. And so 
Uh, Jesus says to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Just like us, when we can't see, Jesus will wash away our sin. He gives us sight. Just like Brian said, he opened my eyes. And then verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar saying, is, not, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? This man was born blind and helpless. Like he, he was a beggar. He couldn't do anything for himself. He had no way of doing anything. He was helpless. This absolutely changes his life when he can see some said, verse 9, some said it is he. Others said, no, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I am that man. I was the blind man. I was born blind. This is, it's me. So they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, anointed my eyes, and he said to me, go and wash and go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? I don't know. So these people talking to him that weren't sure if it was him, they're like, hey, we gotta, let's go take this guy to the Pharisees. Let's go show them. Let's go show them this guy's story, what, what, what happened to him. They brought him to the, verse 13, they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. And they're, Look at this man. Hey, Pharisees. Hey, guys that know everything. Look what happened to him. Verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, Jesus. Working on the Sabbath. Verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked, how did he receive his sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and he washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He's a, he does not keep the Sabbath. And earlier, I, you know, they obviously didn't have this text, but Mark 2.27, uh, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And if you're regardless of what day it is, yes, we should Sabbath and all that. But if we can give glory to God and share a story and bring hope, and we do that. Like, that's, that's what we do. Um, second part is 16. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? They're talking about Jesus, a sinner. <sighs> Uh, and, and there was division among them. The, the, this was a little confusing to the Pharisees. Some of them were like, this man's a sinner. The others are just, yeah, but this guy was born blind. Like, what, what do we do with that? Verse 17. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He is a prophet. Verse 18. The Jews didn't did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents, the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, hey, talk, talk to him. They, they feared these Pharisees. But they saw what happened, and they're like, they, they knew the truth. They knew the story. They knew exactly what happened. And they're like, hey, ask him. Ask him. He'll tell you. So verse 24. So for a second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. 
We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Just like us, just like in our story, this guy was broken, blind, helpless. He was a beggar in need of a savior, just like us. Verse 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The guy begins to get some courage here. I, I love the way he begins to speak to the Pharisee. I don't think anybody else ever spoke to a Pharisee like this. He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? That's, that's from a blind beggar to a, fair, a guy that has like, the, uh, he can do anything to this guy. Do you want to be his disciple? I love it. <laughs> Verse 28. So what do they do? They revile him. Saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for, man, as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. This guy steps it up just a little bit more. And he answers them, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. He's saying to the Pharisees, uh, you might want to consider this guy. You may want to pay attention. You don't know where he comes from, but he has given me sight. Verse 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners, says the Pharisees. I, I, I read that and I just, God absolutely listens to sinners. He listened to this sinner. He listened to Brian Hoover. He listened to all these people who say, I can't do it. I need you. God hears sinners. Second part of 31. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the, begin, the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind until today, until Jesus opened this man's eyes. You might want to pay attention. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? It doesn't have a response from the man in the text, but I just can imagine this guy hearing from the Pharisees, and you would teach us? He's just, yes! Yes, I would! I'm sorry. I, they're just not getting it. So what do they do? They cast him out. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, to this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who, may see, who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. If, if you had a need, like if you realized your need, and you realized I am who I say I am, you would have no guilt. But now that you say you see, your guilt remains. 
they think they've got it all figured out and all together. They don't have any need whatsoever. They got it. And they just don't. So whether this guy realized it or not, he was made to have a story. And that story was that the works of God might be displaying in him. And just like the story of you here that are in Christ have, I always, I, I think of the stupid commercial of, hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You've seen those. And, I, and, and there's some Christians, I think they have the belief of what, happen, what God does in my heart stays in my heart. And that's not good. We have got to share our stories of what God has done in our hearts and opened our eyes and bring hope. It's, it's the stories and the redemption that I heard years ago that allowed me to take that step of sharing the hard stuff, the thing that the, the shame that, that looking at porn uh, did for me and, and just that embarrassing, it's embarrassing. I can talk about that and I can share things and it's, I have peace through that because it doesn't, that's not how God sees me now. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, let's see where I'm at. And then, we, so we all have a story to share. And um, those, like I said about Stephen, and um, even some here that, that oh, I just didn't do much. I, didn't, I don't have that story of redemption of like just completely, almost nearly life, uh, death experience and, and coming out of it. But I've, I've walked the line and I've, I've been disciplined and been... Not that discipline does it, but just the faith in Christ, knowing he's better than those bad decisions. And that's, that's encouraging, and that's, an, that's important to share. And then th there's the other end of the spectrum where it's really hard. It's abuse. It's, it's maybe the choice of abortion or um, just abuse of another. And, and sometimes it's the sin of someone else that's against you that has... It was no decision you made. It was just brought upon you by the brokenness of this world. And it's, it's important to share that. We got to not fear man, but be obedient and allow people to see uh, the work that God does in us. Uh, it can be hard with things of abuse, addiction, perversion, and all kinds of other sin and hurts that may be hard to talk about, but it's through Christ that anyone overcomes these things. And at the end of the day, as hard as it is, or it's not about you, that's another issue that, that we can have is, is we make it a little bit too much about us. And, and the whole point is so that God would be glorified through us. And it's his work in us that allow us to overcome that sin, those addictions, and that abuse, and whatever it is. We've got to be willing to show our scars and show our hurts and, how, and what Christ healed us from. And it's not just to share with somebody else. It will bring healing to you. The more you talk about your hurts and your pains and your struggles, it's, it's dragging that out in the light, just like we're supposed to. And it's exposing it. And it loosens the grip of the shame we may carry until it's gone, the more and more we share. I had a friend, when I started sharing with my wife, you know, my, my struggle with pornography, and just, well, I was a terrible husband. And we're going to get to more of that in a few minutes. Uh, but he always, anytime we were in a group of people, he was like, hey, I want you to share it. I want you to say it. I want you to say it. He was, he was one of the first persons I shared with the things that I wasn't sharing with people. And he made me over and over and over share it in groups of people. And not one single time did we leave that group of people or that situation 
And I didn't have two, three, four guys coming up to me and, hey, man, and asking questions and how to do this. And, man, I've got the same problem, and I just, I can't say it. I'm like, you can say it. You just got to say it. And, and the freedom that brings, God offers a peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And when I get up there and when other people, the Bryans get up there and they share those things, to some, they never hear it before. Some, it makes uncomfortable. But we, we have to do this. We have to do this so that we can then share how God allowed us to do that, how God, in our weakness, he is strong. And so this is a core value of Outpost, living authentically. I believe this is the most important core value that we have. James 5, 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so as we drag... Our struggles and addictions and whatever that may be, you know, in the light and ask to be prayed for and live authentically, we will be, that's when healing begins. That's where the shame leaves and the peace comes in. If you can't talk about this, you're not free. And that freedom is available. And man, we want to encourage you, if you're in community, if you are maybe not a member yet, or come, come and you're welcome to call me, talk to me, Greg and Jim and, excuse me, Jake, and just anybody here, just take that step. It will be met with grace and love, just the same grace and love that we're met with by Jesus by confessing this. And we'll walk through that with you. We'll bear that burden. We're called to do this. If we're not doing this, leave. We got to be doing this. Matthew 5, 14 and 15. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to the whole house. As we are living authentically, sharing stories, that we, we're a light. We're, we're hope for those people. And, and our brokenness, and then, and then where our healing comes in, like Brian said, regen, we don't need regen. We need Jesus. And all regen does is say, here's Jesus. And for the hard stories, just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Be bold and just take that first step. It gets easier, I promise. It's scared to death. I'm going to tell you in a little bit about my first step. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You can do this Don't let shame keep you from the freedom that is available and the peace that surpasses all understanding. We can get up there and as believers, it makes sense to be able to talk about these hard things, but to somebody who may not have been in this environment where people share their really hurts and stuff, it is foreign. It is odd. And they don't know. They haven't been told about the peace that doing just that will bring Share your shame away. Share your shame away. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. If we're not sharing our story of God's goodness and grace in our life, are we not denying him? Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
We're created for this. We have, God has given us stories to share, to engage others, to then share the gospel. This man was given blindness. I mean, he says it as clear as day. Like, no, it wasn't sin of his or sin of his parents. It was that God may be glorified through this so that they could see the works of God in this man's life. That's why he was blind. So how do we share our stories? Man, sorry, I keep hitting that. There's a, the, I think the two most important, have, a, have a, like a 30-second, one-minute version, and then have maybe a three- to five-minute version, and then have a sit-down, over-dinner, 20- to 30-minute conversation. And... Um, in the, the, the first, you know, 30 seconds, that's, you're standing in line at a grocery store, at a gas station, just wherever. Um, in, the, in the notes I have, jacked up, Jesus, freedom. Just hit those points hard and fast, really quick. And I, I, I've, there's a lot of questions you can ask me where you get the same answer. You know, what are you doing in Cody? What brought you to Cody? What do you do? What are your hobbies? And, and I just say, hey, man, I had a jacked up marriage. I was a terrible husband. I was an alcoholic. And, and I was led to a place that opened my eyes to the role I was not fulfilling. And we are here in Cody to help the hopeless marriages of Cody thrive, to, to bring hope. And that's my 30-second version, just like that. I got to, uh, one of my boys was doing basketball, and I sat next to a Mormon girl. It was, I'm going to say it. Uh, some people just look like they play the part, I guess. And I just, I recognize it. Maybe it was the spirit, I don't know. But I just, I saw her and I was like, she's a Mormon. I'm going to go sit next to her. And so Tolan and I, I I'm sorry. But, and, and you know, I, I said, hey, how long have you been here? I, I baited her. And because you don't, Nine out of ten people, when you start asking them, hey, what are you doing here? How are you doing? Whatever, they're not just not going to respond. They'll, they'll reciprocate that question to you. So, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I had a jacked up marriage. And she turns and I said I was an alcoholic and, and uh, just lying to my wife, not leading, just worth, like it was, it was terrible. But God, I, I went through a thing called reengage, which we brought to Cody. And, uh, and we're, you know, working on bringing hope to marriages. And, and she just kind of looked and, you know, was thinking, I mean, she was thinking. And she goes, you know, I love it when people aren't scared to, like, talk about Jesus. And uh, I, I said, well, what do you think about Jesus? What, do you have a faith? And she said, I, I, I go to the, you know, LDS church. And, and I, I said, how's your marriage? And I got a quick response on that one. It was good. But that was all. And, uh, but anyway, I can, I'll see her again uh, next week and the week after. And then those conversations can bleed into the five-minute version. Hey, what do you mean by a, a bad husband? Well, I was, you know, this, this, and this. And so uh, my, my five-minute version, th- these are just really good to have in your pocket. And when you... When you share these one-minute, three-minute, 20-minute conversations with people, then look again. That's why it's important to know those, uh, the four spiritual laws, the Romans Road, the ABCs of salvation, and one verse evangelism, and just walking them through the gospel. You're telling them what, how the gospel affected you and saved you, and then you're just articulating it to them. Hey, this is, this is how you do that. And so... Um, my five-minute version is, is hey, when I, when I was 13, I went to camp with my sister. My sister got married pretty young and married a youth pastor. I went to this church, church camp, gave my life to Christ at 13. When I came back, zero discipleship. It was not a good situation. The church I was involved in, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were doing. Um, when I was 15, I started drinking and, and just to be that cool, crazy guy. I'll do anything. I was a fool. Um, 
I somehow graduated high school, uh, went to college, met a girl. When I was, uh, ended up, I was about 22 years old at this time, she was killed. And that wrecked me. And, and I was drinking a lot. And then after that, I was drinking all the time. And anything that would numb me, any, anything to get over that pain, I was doing. And I ended up in an emergency room. And uh, there was a doctor. And I had just cut on my arm, cut on my arm. And I, didn't, I don't know if I wanted to kill myself or if I just wanted to feel like I didn't want the pain here and here. I wanted physical pain, you know. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But, and I had a James Avery cross ring on my hand. And this guy puts my arm back together. And um, he's like, hey, man, you got a cross on your finger. What's that mean to you? Complete stranger. And uh, I said, I believe in Jesus, but I don't like him. I, I, this girl I thought I was going to marry, she's dead. And I, I didn't have anybody around me, like, in a good way, in a good relational way, as far as just reminding me of the goodness of God. And, hey, this stuff happens, and it's okay. And, and he gave me a piece of paper, had his name, it had his number, it had his address. This is against the rules in an emergency room for a doctor to do. And he, he looked at me and he said, man, Jesus loves you. He does. This is hard. I can't explain exactly why things happen like this. I don't know. But I know Jesus is good and I know he has a plan for you. And complete stranger. That happened to me in the next two years about six times. Total and complete strangers. And I want to tell you, I used to sit with people that were hurting, and I would, I would want to say, God has me here for you, bro. I love you, and Jesus loves you. I, didn't, I, I felt a little apprehensive of having that confidence and saying, God has me here. But the truth is, God has me sitting right by that broken person for him. And I need to say that boldly. God has me here for you. I love you. Give me your hand. Let's do this. Here's my number. Here's my address. How can I pray for you? That's what we do. That's what they did. And to my... I don't want to say shame. I don't know. I never called that guy. I wish I had, and I'd love to take the time. I could probably look him up. I could probably go to that hospital and say, hey, who was working here? I know the date. And knock on that man's door and say, hey, buddy, what you did for me 30 years ago, 35 years ago, that, that, was, that was getting me back on the path, man. I got a wife that loves Jesus. I got four boys that I'm training up in the way they should go. And you're part of that. And just to get back to my five-minute story. Uh, and then I, I moved to Fredericksburg, Texas, and I started a business. I was still, still drinking. I, I kind of slowed down a little bit. And uh, there was a, a young life was starting there. And somebody gave him my name. <laughs> I don't know who that was. And so that was really stupid at the time, whoever you are. But um, Jason Bush, like that was my first uh, discipleship. You know, like, hey, let's get together. Let's read. We're going to be working with kid, high school guys. And we're going to just share the gospel over and over and over and over with them. And that's what we're going to do. And that... That was a step, you know, more towards God. And then there was a church plant. Uh, then I met my wife in uh, Young Life. She was a, a leader. I like to say she was a kid. She's eight years younger than me. But anyway, she was, she was a leader. She moved to Fredericksburg for one year. And then uh, we, we, got, we met and got married within a year. 
and my marriage was a wreck. Our marriage was a wreck right off the bat because of me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was still drinking. I was lying. There was pornography. And it, you know, for three, four years, I, I was just like, I, I want something to change. I do want this to be good. I don't know how to do it. And so I'd go up to any old man with a ring on his finger and ask him, hey, buddy, how do you do it? And I, the, the answers I got were ridiculous. They are absolutely not worth repeating. And then somehow we, we get sent, uh, to, well, we're like marriage conference, marriage, we've got to do a marriage conference. And so we eventually find Watermark, and then there's a deal called Reengage. That's where Region comes from as well. And we, we sign up, go, we're sitting there. And it's MMTC conference. It's Marriage Ministry Training Conference. And these guys are up there talking, and they're just saying all this stuff. And, and Val and I quickly realize, this is for people who have good marriages, who help people like us. And so after that little breakout, we go up to one of the guys leading, and, and we say, hey, look, we're not leaders. We got a, we got a messed up marriage. And, and they, just, they laugh, and they're like, hey, let's see what God does. And so it was, it was like three days. We, we get good information. And, and uh, we get sent home with books and things. And so we take the elders of this church plant and uh, a few other couples through. And, and that absolutely opened my eyes. As far as like our marriage restoration story, that's the meat of it right there. Of, of where I was lacking in my role as a husband, what I was called to, and the way I was honoring my wife the way I was not honoring my wife and the way I was called to. And that totally turned us around. And we, we just started, let's do it again. And so we would, we would help one to two couples in our home and run through this. And seven years later, I was on staff at that church where we got that information from going through the institute. That's where I met Greg Brooks. And so uh, the second day of the institute, Greg and I are in the same room with about 20 other people. And I'm sharing my testimony. And this, he, Greg, Greg can look goofy at times. He walks up and he's got these shorts, way too short for Liv to wear. And he's got a, his mustache and he's got this big grin. And he walks up on my, to me like this and he puts his hands on my shoulders. The second day that we, that we met, and he said, I don't know what you just said. You'll have to tell me that some other time. But Jesus was, the Lord was telling me, you're my guy. You're going back to Cody with me. The second day, and here we are. I just, that, that's pretty cool. And so, and then, that, that was kind of a drawn out version of my five minute version. And then there's a 20 minute version. How, are we time? Okay. We're okay. Okay, and so I'm, I'm not going to say the 20-minute version. It's just, it's just that story expanded, and it's question and answer. And I think the thing that's important is as you're talking to people, and when you're, and the, another good thing to do, don't just worry about tearing your story. Say, hey, what's your story? What's your story? And get to know. I, we've sat with people since we've been here, and... Um, I can tell the second. Um, a lot of what I did was counseling and like marriage stuff. I was on the marriage team down there and just, you, you learn things and body language and all that. And there's people that will sit down and, and almost before they sit down, you can just see the fear and the, like, I got to share something. And so we do these Believe Team stories. When you become a member, we have you write out your testimony. The whole purpose of that is so you get used to it. Like write it out, know it. Like I said, one minute version five-minute version, 20-minute version. And, and there's been people that we've met with that, you know, it's just like, yeah. And, I mean, they're, they're just real nervous. And I'm just like, hey, let me tell you who you're talking to. I was an alcoholic. My marriage was a wreck. I, I struggle with this. And, and just, just it just kind of takes that off, that edge off. And just you can, you can share it. Like, this is a safe place. We love you. And we're going to encourage you, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, you cannot 
without sin, the cross of Christ. You can't. And so we got done with one couple, and, and uh, their spouse was just kind of wide-eyed, and, and, and they said, I have never heard them. Like, I, I am the only one who have heard them say that. They have not shared that with anyone. And it's just praise God. But those stories, we got to be willing to share. We have to continually share those so that we, we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. Susan and Raul, do you have this slide? This is, I look at this couple then and I weep like they are amazing. She was on the, team, the marriage team with me in, uh, at Watermark. And Susan and Raul, Kristen and Brittany are their daughters. And their story is infidelity on both sides. They, they live in Dallas, Texas, got married, had kids. Uh, and when they went off to college, it was like, what do we do? And she started going to a gym and working out, met a guy, had an affair. He was a businessman traveling all over the place, affair. They were not believers then. And uh, do you have that other one? And so, um, I, mean, I mean, just a mess. They, they had this uh, infidelity, and they had believers come around them and take them and share the gospel with them and talk about reconciliation. And um, slowly they were able to reconcile and their marriage was restored and they were living a different life than what their kids saw all growing up. And as they would come home from college, they would see the difference, how their parents loved each other and their Bibles were open and they were talking about Jesus. And their kids gave their life to Christ. Brittany, Susan, uh, Kristen. And then their kids give their life to Christ. And then their roommates, hey, what's going on, Brittany? What's going on, Kristen? Jesus. And they share the gospel with them. And then it just goes on. The original picture of this, I wish you could see. It's like faded. It's like a 20-year deal. She had on the back of her door. And it was like what God does with a broken marriage. And then... Because they're willing to share their story and the hurt, and that, like that's, it can be kind of embarrassing. But they, and when I called her, I was like, hey, I want that picture. I want to share this story. Is that cool? She was like, absolutely, please, yes. And just, there has been thousands of people because of them willing to share their story, their daughters uh, seeing that change, that visible new life in Christ. And uh, it, it just went on and on and on and on and on. It's, and that's not even the whole thing. And it's just awesome what God can do in the brokenness and the shame that's in our lives. And we have to consider that may be there. Like verse 3 says, but that the works of God might be displayed in us. All right, last thing here. The demon-possessed man, the, the, the garrison demoniac in Mark 5, 18 through 20. As he was getting in the boat, Jesus, he had just cast these demons out of, the, out of this guy. He was, a, would, says he walked among tombs and just, he, they'd chain him up and he'd break chains. They'd put bigger chains on him and they'd break him and he just it was filled with, just a legion of demons. Um, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged Jesus that he might be with him. Jesus is getting in a boat, and he's like, hey, Jesus, come on, take me with you. And he says no. He says no. And he, he just gets healed, and he wants to go to this guy that has shown love and his grace and mercy in his life. And he says no. But what, what else does he say? 
He did not permit him to go, but said to him, Go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. Go home to your friends. Go home to those people that had, had seen the old you before me. And, and how much the Lord had done for him and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. We have Jesus. We have the Spirit of God with us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us. We're not with Jesus. We have Jesus. And while we are not with Jesus, we need to go to our friends. We need to go to our neighbors we need to go to our business people, go to strangers in the rec center, in the gas station, and tell about the works of God that have been in us so that we can share the gospel. Tell your story. Get comfortable with it. Practice. Lord, Thank you for Susan and Raul. Thank you for those folks in Regen who have gotten up here and shared their stories and shared their scars. Thank you for, Lord, the work of Christ in my own life, how he opened my eyes. And just the... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. God, help us be a body of storytellers of your truth in our lives and the healing that we've had because of you and the new life we have because of you. Help us, Father. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.